Turn in your Bibles to Mark 1. We are just beginning a study of the good news in Mark. So Mark chapter 1. Have an exciting event uh, today. Jesus uh, enters into a synagogue and is teaching and some amazing things happen. So he's really just beginning his ministry. And he's just, uh, Mark has recorded that he's called some new disciples. He's got uh, Simon, who's later, he's called Peter, and then Andrew, and then James and John. And the text indicates that these are the folks that go into the synagogue. A synagogue is uh, the place where the Jews would meet on the Sabbath day. They would come together uh, in the building and they'd read the scripture and they'd have somebody uh, explain scripture, a sermon-like, and they would do praises. And it, this is uh, what we see today. So let's, uh, let me read the word of God. This is Mark chapter 1. Verses 21 through 28, I'm calling it The Mighty One Speaks. The Mighty One Speaks. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. The Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we've come to you in prayer this morning many times. We, we believe in prayer. It's not, it's not like we're talking to the ceiling or the walls. We're through Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. We're talking to you, Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What a mighty privilege that is. And our simple request now is that as those people heard the word of Jesus, could we hear his word today too and be similarly impressed and changed, O Lord. Through Christ we always pray, and through Christ alone. Amen. So, 
let's just look at some interesting observations here right at the beginning. I think it's kind of cool because Jesus has a good habit, doesn't he? It's Sabbath. What does he do on the Sabbath? Not even a choice. We go to the synagogue. <laughs> By the way, that's a very good habit to get. Uh, not necessarily to go to the synagogue, but to go to church. Uh, we shouldn't wake up Sundays and say, well, should we go to church today, dear? <laughs> shouldn't be the question. Uh, just You go to church. That's where God wants you. And you don't know the word God might have for you on any given day in the Lord's house. It's kind of exciting. Uh, we, don't, we don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think Jesus went to the synagogue every, every Sabbath. Uh, that would be pretty amazing, right, to have Jesus walk into your midst. Well, I'm calling this the Mighty One Speaks, uh, just going back to some of the words we've already looked at in this great Gospel of Mark. The people are saying, what is this? Well, you might say, well, what did you expect? Remember, John said, this is John the Baptist, and he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I. This is the mightiest one, God Almighty. Uh, I know it's a little silly, but I like to remind you, we don't say God half mighty. God one quarter mighty. Our, our confession of faith is he, he is almighty. Pause and think, what does that mean? Huge. What do you expect when the almighty speaks? This one is mightier than I. In fact, John says, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Jesus is this amazing mighty one. Now, Capernaum, of course, is up in Galilee, north, a long way away from the center of the Jewish faith, which is Jerusalem. In the, in the Bible, you'll always notice, they always say, let's go up to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem. Even if you're way far north, we have some Canadians here. Did you say, we're going up to California? Probably not, right? They're from Vancouver area. You're going down to California. Probably in every sense of the word, you know. Uh, well, maybe not, but anyway. Uh, I'm a Californian. I can say that. <laughs> no, but in, in, in the Hebrew mindset, you always go up to Jerusalem because it's the pinnacle. Yes, it's a little high elevation, but that's not their point. Their point is it's the center of everything. Uh, and they're way up in the, you know, in the no-count crazy area very Gentile influence, Galilee, where Jesus, of course, grew up in, in Nazareth. The cool thing is, as I understand it, they actually think they know where this synagogue is in Capernaum. And see, this slide points out this darker colored stone is a basalt foundation from the first century. Uh, kind of interesting, very possible, this is where Jesus went. So, again, let me read the text here. It says, Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. They, they allowed him to teach. They actually had this opportunity for anybody who was prepared, they could stand up and teach. Uh, and Paul the Apostle did this several times, too, later on. 
And here's Jesus allowed to teach in the synagogue. And look at what it says here, verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching. It's a very powerful word. They were, they were astonished. It was amazing what he said. Uh, it wasn't the normal humdrum, everyday uh, words of the scribes. It was all it was, the scribes would say, you know, we kind of think this, we kind of think that, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And they were always very concerned uh, that they had enough other human beings agreeing with them uh, before they would make an assertion. They were astonished. And this is a very powerful word that uh, God has chosen through the author Mark to put here. It's used 13 times in the Gospels, primarily describing people's response to when this, the Word of God, when Jesus himself speaks. Uh, it, it means to, uh, there's a famous uh, Greek authority from a previous generation named Kenneth Wiest, uh, and he said it means to be, to expel by a blow. In other words, whack something and get it out of there. To strike with panic. To be shocked. The verb is in the pictorial imperfect. It's an imperfect. They were astonished. They kept being astonished. We don't know how long he spoke. 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes. We don't know. But they were... It describes the prolonged amazement of the audience. The word is, the word is ek pleso. Ek pleso. Ek, like exit out. Pleso to me sounds like the word place. Probably isn't. But we can print it. It means out of place. It means to be whacked and like, wow, what was that? Um, it means to strike out of one's wick, wit. Like to, sm I'm smacked out in my head. I can't believe what I'm hearing here to astound, to amaze, to be overwhelmed, to be astonished. The last week we had uh, a, a Psalm 114. We love the, the Psalms. And uh, it said this in Psalm 114, verse 7, Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. I like that song we sang. Uh, a little bit of taunting in the song. It said that at some point in history, those who deny the existence of God will be, will be praying for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them because suddenly they have the fear of the Lord. It's, it's right for us to tremble at this mighty one, to be astonished at his word. L let's look at how it's described here a little bit. We have the thing with the uh, unclean spirit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, but it says, verse 27, they were all amazed. And so they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Jesus has power and authority. He has power and authority. Uh, he has it right now. He exists, he's real, and he's the all-powerful one. And, and how many times do we think we hear the word of God and it's humdrum and boring, I'm uninterested, I don't care. You know, you have, you have a Bible, but it's covered with dust. 
uh, if you're ignoring the word of God because it doesn't seem important to you. This is the power and authority of God Almighty. This past week, I was editing my sermon uh, from Zechariah 14. I think, it's, I think it's my last sermon. I put it up on our church's webpage. And uh, in the middle of it is uh, Zechariah 14, 16. I'm going to turn to it. It's just a couple of pages back. You could turn there too. Look at these astounding words, these shocking words, the, the words that uh, one day everyone will know that they are absolutely true. And this is a vision of the future when the God in, in Jesus Christ, God himself, will be reigning on this earth. He will be the king of the earth, literally. And in verse 16, it says, then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem, there's this big battle, big push to get Jerusalem and extinguish God's people. And Christ comes in and does this huge battle. And there's some that survive. And all those that survive, look, it says, they shall go up year after year. The, the whole economy of the whole globe is changed. The whole political situation, they're going to go up year after year to Jerusalem. Um, year after year, what? To worship the king, the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Sabaoth is the Hebrew there. Uh, they're coming to worship the king, who is Jesus Christ, this mighty one who walked into a synagogue in Capernaum one day and, and taught, and the people were astonished at his word. What is this? Who is this? How could this be? And this is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at this. Allow yourself to be extremely amazed and even uncomfortable with this. Because it says we're going to worship this king. Let's, let's translate that to modern day political figures. Should we worship modern day political figures? How about Putin? Do we bow down and worship Putin? How about the new leader of China? Both of whom, right? Both of these leaders want to be uh, king forever now. Term, no terms. Uh, I want all power and authority, and I pretty much have it. Or should we worship Donald Trump? I mean, imagine that. Going to visit the White House, and where is he? We want to bow down and worship him king. It's, it's a, a, a horrible idea, right? It's a Doesn't it? It makes you... No. You shouldn't. We don't want to worship these faulty human beings. Who deserves worship? God himself and God alone. God alone. Jesus Christ is, is fully God. I, I think if you're a Christian, you're an Orthodox Christian, you know that. You believe that, right? But is it some sort of humdrum thing? No, this is massive. And look at the words in, in this Hebrew uh, verse, Zechariah 14, verse 16. They're, the whole globe is going to come up year after year and worship the king. Who is this king? He's Yahweh, Sabaoth. Hallelujah. Do you understand the impact of that? Jesus 
who was born of the Virgin Mary as a baby. He is Yahweh. He is God. He is, and they used to say, when they came to Yahweh, they would say Jehovah. Okay, it's the same name. We won't get into that today. So he is Jehovah. And if we're going to be a, a Jehovah's Witness today, we're going to say that Jesus is God himself. One in three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so is, is it, it's little wonder that when he speaks, it's astonishing. And you know what makes it not astonishing? Is it his speech? Or is it our ears? Is it our ears? What did Jesus say several times? He who has ears, let him hear. And I'll tell you what, it's a work of God's grace when we hear the word of Christ and we're astonished by it and we're drawn in and we worship him, we praise him and we want to scream out, hallelujah, Lord, we thank you. So to me, it's little wonder. It's, in other words, it should be like this. And what's the problem for us? Well, we get distracted, carried away, self-consumed. And, and we're not drawn into it. And look at, let's go back now to the story. Mark chapter 1. Look at what it says here. For he taught as one who had authority, not as the scribes. <laughs> and uh, it's so true that we as Christian Christians, Christian teachers, just everyone... Our authority in life depends on the Word of God. It's not our own personal authority. We point to the Word of God. How do we know a thing is true? Did God say it? Then it's true. Uh, that's how we know something is true or not. That's what we need to depend on. That's our ultimate source of faith, and not as the scribes. But look here, verse 23. Let's get to this part, right? And immediately, Mark loves that word. He says, boom, here this happened. Immediately, look what it says. There was in their synagogue a man. Can you imagine that moment? It's like, Shaul, what's that look on your face? We've been attending synagogue with you for years. And suddenly your countenance has changed. You know, when Jesus comes in, evil is also alarmed. And, and it's honestly, it says there, there was a man in their synagogue. I think this text tells us that right in their midst, there was a man who, he had been comfortable, let me speculate, for 20 years going to that synagogue. Wow. He was fine. He wasn't offended. Today he's offended. Today something is riled up within him. The demon is there. You know, let's pause and think here. There's some speculation or some possibility. Some people would say, hey, you know, it's just better not to have the conflict. So if the word of God is scary and difficult and controversial, let's just, just dumb it down a little bit. <laughs> let's take the stinger out. Let's just... Let's just think about the pretty things, the nice things. And maybe we could just call all of this sort of mythology and 
symbolism and you know, if you really understood what God meant here, you would know that he didn't mean what he absolutely says he means, right? And let's just have a whole sermon on explaining why he doesn't mean what he means, <laughs> right? So let's just, let's avoid the conflict. Would it, would it, let me tell you this. Oh, when you are a growing believer, you'll run into more and more conflict. When you're a brand new believer, you'll be attacked. You've brought Jesus in your life. You think resident evil likes that? No. Resident evil does not like that. And so, honestly, Jesus didn't come to bring immediate happy peace right now. He said, I came to bring division. I came to bring a sword. So here's, I've called the guy Shaul, making that up, of course, but it's a common name, Saul. And the the language here is gorgeous that God has chosen for us. It says he cried out. And the, the word is very powerful here. The base word is klotzo. Did I say somebody jump when I said that? I'm sorry, I didn't. Well, it was, it was like alarming. It, it was alarming. And it actually uh, is onomatopoetic based on the sound that a raven can make. You, you like songbirds? I love songbirds. I heard one this morning. So this little tweet, tweet. It's so pretty. But then the other day, <laughs> I heard this. Rawr! <laughs> what is that noise? And I was about 15 feet from a tree. This, I didn't take this picture, but it looked just like that. It, all his plumage was stuck out, and he's going, ah, ah. You know, I was like, I hope you can pass that thing pretty soon, you know? <laughs> I mean, God has a purpose for everything, and, uh, you know, God forbid that I preach against ravens, you know? <laughs> But uh, they make some awful, horrible noises. In fact, if you were a poet, you might write a poem about one. Just an idea. I'm thinking, quoth the raven. (laughs) Um, And that's what happened in there. You know, the happy little synagogue where we all used to get along so great. Everybody was happy. And in 15 minutes, this man has made a storm. It might take another person 15 years, right, to get a storm. But Jesus, so pure and powerful, resident evil comes out after him. So the root word is kradzo, meaning to cry out. And this is anakradzo, which has a prefix, which literally means really loud. I mean, you can hear the uh, strained voices of this demon himself. And he's angry at Jesus. He, he's he's going to denounce him. Look what he says to, to him. He says, what have you to do with us? That's a little bit unclear. Is he talking about all the people in the synagogue? Is he talking about all the demons in general? Is he talking about have this guy having more than one demon? Uh, text is unclear. Probably the second option, meaning he's probably speaking. The demon is speaking here. Unclean spirit, by the way, is definitely 
interchangeable with demon. No, he wasn't mentally ill. Uh, he, the Bible very clearly differentiates between illnesses and demon possession. He was possessed by a, a demon inside of him. And the demon is speaking. He's threatened by Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? Well, yes. <laughs> In a way, yes. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Isn't that amazing? Everybody else in the synagogue is saying, what is this? But Resident Evil knows what he's up against. This is the Holy One of God. This is the Messiah. Earlier, we had God himself making a verbal witness about Jesus at, at the baptism. Remember verse 11, and the voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And now Resident Evil is making this confession. You are the Holy One of God. You're too holy for us. We don't want you around here. You, you're going to purify us. Uh, and, and it's uncomfortable. I don't want Jesus because it's uncomfortable. This authoritative power that filled him brought out this strong opposition. This authoritative power, it, it filled this wonderful teacher and it brought out this opposition. Now, there's also, there's another really cool thing in, in this text. Pretend this is your house, or this is me. This is our me, my little house, right? And there's a cool thing that it happens in this text. Because first up in verse 21, um, it says, on the Sabbath, he entered into. Jesus came into the house. And there's, there's a picture of Jesus coming in the house. Uh, this is uh, Ace Elphone. Ace Elphone. Ace Elphone, right? And, and next down in verse 24 and 25, 24, uh, by, excuse me, 25, be silent and come out of him. That's ex elthe Same root, but instead of ace, ace means into. Jesus came into and uh, Jesus says, come out of him. And then also uh, verse 26, he came out. That's ex elthane. He, he went out. So here's, when, when Jesus comes into your house, the more Jesus, the more displacement occurs. And, and evil can't be co-resident with the more and more Jesus we have. I know that's a simple uh, way to put it, uh, but that is, that's so happening in this text. And the final uh, interesting thing is, we'll get to this later, but I'll point it out because it's linguistic. So, so again, the words are ace elphone, and then ex-elphane, you know, go into, ex-elphane, go out of. And then verse 28 has ex-elphane, the same exact word. The, the demon goes out, and what comes out next? The fame of Jesus goes out. Same exact word. So this is my picture of this. You know, when, when we have more and more Christ, and, and less and less we're dominated by our sin nature, demons, 
uh, the world's influence on us, the more we love Jesus, the more we tell others about him and his fame goes, goes out of us. So there's Jesus comes in, evil goes out, and the fame of Jesus goes out throughout the land. That's the way it is supposed to work. Here's some verses that back that up. This verse in Revelation, very popular, very common, but you know it's addressed to, to a church? It's addressed to Christians? Jesus is outside the synagogue. He's outside the church asking to come in. He's outside of our lives saying, I want to be in your life. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus wants to be in our lives more and more and more. And then uh, another great verse on this is this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In that synagogue that day, what astounded the people was the word of Christ. And the more and more we bring the word of Christ into our lives, the stronger we will be. And the, you, we, we all struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin. And we know this. Do we struggle with sin because we have too much Christ? Too much word? Are we meditating too often on the word of God? Are we too obsessed with Jesus? No. Just the opposite. We, we struggle with sin comparatively to how little we follow on. We're followers of Christ. We're his disciples. We're his students. We meditate. We bring his word into our lives. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's saying we should be meditators. We should be, one verse uh, says that we should be constantly nourished on the words of the faith. It, it It should bring us up. It should raise us up, constantly nourished, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, this is what I'm saying from this text. We, as we bring Christ into our lives more and more, through his word, evil will be increasingly displaced and we will more and more be witnesses to his love and power. Let's pray. Father, in your kindness, O Lord, help us to obey your word. Help us to even notice that you are standing at the door knocking. Give us ears to hear your voice, O Lord, even now that we would open to you. We would not turn away. Lord, would you come in, oh Lord, please, and displace evil's grip on all of us, whether it's through our own lustful habits. Lord, please displace these things. Drive them out. Cast them out, Lord, we pray. Or whether it's just influence of the world or influence of worldly friends, Father, help us to overcome, have the victory through Jesus Christ. Help us to obey this, the word, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. This is our prayer, Lord. 
And uh, as you taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.